0: Knowledge Products presents Early Austrian Economics, narrated by Louis Rukeyser. In 1871, a slender German-language volume on economic theory was published. Its author was a young Austrian civil servant, Karl Menger. The book was destined to leave an indelible imprint on virtually all of subsequent economic thought. In particular, its appearance is universally recognized as marking the emergence of a new and highly influential school of economic thought. This school came to be known as the Austrian School of Economics, with this title at first applied as a derisive epithet by its intellectual foes, but very soon being proudly and defiantly adopted by its protagonists. When this book came to be translated into English many years later, its title was Principles of Economics. But the book's fame was won during the time when it was simply referred to as Menger's Grundsetze, Grundsetze being the German counterpart to principles. Karl Menger certainly knew that he was making a radically novel contribution to economics. There is no doubt that he sensed the far-reaching implications of his iconoclastic ideas. In fact, it is known that he wrote his *Grunzetsa* in a state of morbid excitement. But it is most unlikely that Menger realized that he was starting a new school of thought. And it is certain that he could hardly have anticipated that the school of thought that he was building would call forth venomously antagonistic reactions from its intellectual enemies. Nor is it likely that he could foresee that as far off as a century later, his book would be hailed by many as full of brilliant insights which the economics profession has still not fully appreciated and digested. Paradox upon paradox surround the impact which Menger's book was to make on economics. In the preface to his book, Menger went out of his way to emphasize his high regard for the contributions of the economists of Germany, who stressed the links between economics and history. Indeed, he dedicated the volume to the leading German historical economist of the age. Yet within a few years, Menger's economics was to be the target of thundering denunciations and the bitterly scornful enmity of the German historical school to a degree that can surely have few parallels in intellectual history. Again, Menger wrote his book without having any ideological axe to grind. His book was the work of an austere scientist not that of the wild-eyed social reformer or the toadying apologist for the status quo. And it is widely acknowledged that for the founders of the Austrian school, economics had no direct political aims. Yet within a short time, the Austrians had earned pointed and highly critical attention for the ideological dynamite perceived to be embedded in their view of the world. Nikolai Bukharin, the brilliant Marxist theoretician who later was executed under Stalin, put it bluntly. It is well known that the most powerful opponent of Marxism is the Austrian school. Let us step back a little and consider the intellectual and historical background against which Menger's book and the fledgling Austrian school appeared. Among the most influential of the 20th century Austrian economists was Ludwig von Mises. Mises has pointed out that the term Austrian, as applied to Menger's economics by the German professors, was meant as a slur. We must bear in mind that Austria had been humiliatingly defeated by the Prussians in a lightning seven weeks war, culminating in 1866 in the Battle of Königgrätz. As Mises put it, when the German professors attached the epithet Austrian to the series of Menger and his two earliest followers, they meant it in a pejorative sense. After the battle of Königgrätz, the qualification of a thing as Austrian always had such a coloration in Berlin. But the intended smear, boomerang, very soon, the designation, the Austrian school, was famous all over the world. To understand the sharp disagreement among the German language economists of Berlin and of Vienna, it will be helpful to take stock of the state of thinking about economics in 1871. For almost a century, economics had been dominated by the British economists, who have been called the classical school. This school was represented in particular by three celebrated names. Adam Smith, famous for his Wealth of Nations, David Ricardo, who published The Principles of Political Economy and Taxation in 1817, and John Stuart Mill, whose Principles of Political Economy appeared in 1848. The classical school offered a view of capitalism based on highly abstract theorizing, This classical theory saw the economics of a society as dominated almost exclusively by the physical constraints under which that society operates. Interestingly enough, much of this same theoretical perspective was later to form the basis of Marxism. For Marxism, however, this classical perspective would lead to a decidedly negative judgment of the capitalist system. Marxists saw capitalism as a system of exploitation destined to fall apart under the stress of its inner contradictions. The classical economists, in contrast, emphasized the advantages to be gained by society from free markets and were widely seen as defenders of capitalism. As the 19th century moved into its last three decades, classical economics came under increasingly heavy attack, especially in Europe. One line of critical reaction attacked the abstract, theoretical character of classical economics. Leading German scholars of the period, and some British scholars too, came to endorse a historical approach to economics. They denounced the abstractions employed by the Ricardians as vicious and unrealistic. They disparaged the laissez-faire policies associated with the classical school and called it Manchesterism, after the British industrial city where many of these policies were strongly favored. These economists of the German historical school became famous as advocates of state regulation of the economy, as proponents of aggressive social welfare programs. They were dubbed the Katheter socialisten Socialists of the Professorial Chair. Menger led an entirely different line of reaction against the classical school of economics. He emphatically endorsed a thoroughly theoretical approach. In fact, Menger spearheaded a powerful attack on the German historical school that was to turn into a bitter dispute. Where Menger parted with the classical economists was in the content of his theory. As one historian of thought has put it, it is generally agreed that Karl Menger's Grundsetze der Volkswirtschaftslehre, published in 1871, turned economic theory on its head. Yet Austrians were not the only theorists of the 1870s to reject classical economics. In the same year that Menger published his Grundsetze, a British economist, William Stanley Jevons, published his book, Theory of Political Economy. Three years later, a French pioneer mathematical economist, Léon Valras, published his work, Éléments d'économie politique pure. All three books were written independently, with each author unaware of the others. Yet many later historians believe that these three attempts to revolutionize economic theory displayed a fundamental unity. These historians term this epoch in economics the Marginal Utility Revolution. What do economists mean by this forbidding term, marginal utility? And why was this idea so revolutionary? Well, first we ought to take note that although these authors did indeed share a common emphasis on marginal utility, one recent historian has found it necessary to challenge the conventional wisdom on this subject by calling for the dehomogenization of Walras, Jevons, and Menger, ...to separate their work into three distinct points of view. All this begins to sound complicated. It is. Let's review some of the issues and paradoxes that need to be explored. We have seen that Austrian economics was the archenemy of Marxism... ...and yet can fairly claim to be politically neutral. Austrian economics was initially dismissed and disparaged... ...and it yet came to occupy a central role in pre-World War I economics... We have seen that the Austrian Menger was linked to the British Jevons and the French Varas, yet he is held to be the pioneer of an entirely unique approach. Some of these paradoxes can perhaps be succinctly presented by listening to two apparently contradictory statements by Ludwig von Mises.